The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. to the two-man power trip of wrestling i'm your host jp john buzz this is another edition of who is and who is this week the best celebrity joining me of course is the man to my left i think he is the doctor he is mr j himself michael jargo jargo how are you doing today sir i'm tired pause that's what happens when you have a new puppy running around the house i'm tired i just want to sleep man i just want to sleep but i'm happy to sit down here with the rbv and yourself and talk a little uh, celebrity dirt today nice of course third man in the booth he did it all for the snooky mr rbv mr hmg mr tmpt rick what's going on how you doing today sir well i guess with this topic i'll come in big with this yes it's me it's me it's that r to the b to the v Hey, and going back just a few months ago, I was that celebrity that was brought to the two-man power trip to boost to boost those ratings. And what a ratings rager it has been. But yeah, great to be back here with uh, two of my best friends to talk a little who is. Uh, I'm excited for this. I'm excited for this conversation today. This was a good one because we were talking about different topics. He, this Should we do this? And I was like, yeah, I wasn't feeling it. Then you said celebrity. Jargo liked it. I liked it. I was like, man, that's, that was a good one. And I just, boom, named 30-plus names just off the, off my head. So I may have missed some in, in my just writing, but the big ones that came to my head, I was like, ooh, this is this is a good one. This is an easy, smooth topic, but it, which will make it more fun, obviously. So when I was thinking, I was like, okay, best celebrity. Obviously, some parameters. You got to be famous in some way, shape, or form. Even an influencer or YouTuber. I mean, even they're famous. So they, they would count on this list. Uh, you could be a sports star from you know from another sport. You can come over to wrestling. You could be a musician. You could be an author. I don't know. Whatever you are to be a celebrity, it's it's all encompassing. It's not just one specific field. So it's many fields: sports, entertainment, everything, all combined. So when I say that, the first guy that came to my mind, the first guy I wrote down, not necessarily the best. Maybe I might need to be convinced, but he was a comedian, an actor. He's a writer as well. What about Andy Kaufman, Chargo? What about Andy Kaufman? Andy Kaufman was the first name that came to mind, and he was my original number one as oh. I was making my list. I did end up putting one person on top of Andy Kaufman no. Um, no, didn't. Toward, towards the end of uh, my, my thinking process. Uh, but, I mean, 
Kaufman versus Lawler. I, I, I think anybody who knows anything about professional wrestling, whether they like it or not, at that given moment in time, knew about this program. That the I can still watch that entire scene from Letterman. And I, I think it's the most interesting thing that ever happened on Letterman's TV. Probably the most famous thing that came out of one of the best territories in the world in Memphis. I have a hard time putting anyone above Andy Kaufman on my list, but I did find one name. Hmm, interesting. Well, that's a good I, I thought Kaufman first, that one. too. Yeah, I thought Kaufman first, too. What do you think, Rick? Uh, I, I, I'm going to call that out. I don't know if, if that was your first thought, though, Paz, because you didn't say that to me first. You, you had some. Oh, no, you're right. No, you're right. He was the first name we wrote down, but he's not the first person that I thought of because you're you're right. There was somebody else. I thought it, because, about. you know, I chimed in and I said, brother, I got to go. The, the first yes. thing that pops into my mind is is Andy Kaufman. And, and I know, you know, this is you know, trying to bring in that celebrity, that, that bonus draw is as old as professional wrestling going back, you know, to the circus days and kind of what professional professional wrestling was itself. It was a, a booster that shot in the arm for those, those traveling circuses, those side shows. And, and I know as, as professional wrestling fans in, in today's era, uh, I almost said that we're bitter, but we like to bicker and we're looking at things to, to pick at here. And it usually is that celebrity crossover, uh, but on all levels of professional wrestling, it is of the utmost importance. Uh, I can even tell you, you know, myself here with the Professional Wrestling Alliance and every show that we do, I'm looking locally. How can we get somebody of stature that the, the community is going to look towards, gravitate towards? How can we get them involved? So that usually starts with going to the, the police chief, to the fire chief, to someone that's on city council, a, a great businessman of influence, a educator. So it's, and you get to these grander stages like the WWE, AEW, New Japan, those likes. Yeah, they're going to be looking for those true rock stars, those, those standouts in entertainment, whatever that case might be. Uh, so it is very important. And I think that who really define that and, and set that standard for a modern era in pro wrestling is absolutely Andy Kaufman. Man. Andy Kaufman, when, so when it comes to Kaufman, I think one of the things that's lost about the Andy Kaufman, Jerry Lawler story is everybody got over. Andy Kaufman became way more popular. Professional wrestling came way more popular. Jerry Jimmy the Hart. Lawler, Jimmy Hart. I mean, everybody benefited from this. And it was the creative program going into it. I mean, to put this in a 2021 context, you have Dan Lambert on AEW TV just running his mouth about how awful AEW is. The only thing missing is him for to, to go around and start beating up the women's division before Cody comes in to <laughs> shut him up. Like, that's that's pretty much where we're at. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, the whole thing was just so incredibly well done and so well thought out the way that they put this whole thing together. And you look at the reach, we're talking about who was able to get the shine from this thing. I mean, we're going as far as that's one of the earliest highlights, a boom for the late show with David Letterman. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's the boundaries that this thing crossed. And, you know, this really wasn't, and this is before what we're used to in these global audiences where everything is right there in front of you. This is coming from the territory days and it took, you know, that Memphis territory and it put it on a much grander stage you know, we're, hell, you know, it was one of those first global, you know, now I'm going to say global, I haven't probably had that kind of reach, but national, where everyone had taken notice of this thing because of the star power of, of Andy Kaufman then. It, it, it's very odd that you see David Letterman on a stage, live on TV, 
and he is completely caught off guard, has no idea what's going on, is very uncomfortable. Like that, that not cluing Letterman into what was going on might have been the most genius thing that happened throughout the entire program. I think a lot of it was that those guys didn't clue anyone in. I, I don't think the promoters things. I mean, they kind of knew or the direction and all that, but these guys had this master plan and it's just Jerry and Andy. They were the only two that knew what was going on. And, and I think it, it would made it such a hit. We, we know the commitment to the business from Jerry Lawler, and you know it's he it's just not in, in his DNA. I mean, it, he it, he exists because of it. Uh, but for Andy Kaufman to make that commitment. Uh, to come in and, and understand the workings. And hey, we we hear all the time, you know, from Ben Hameen, if it's in Pro Wrestling 101 or any of the shows that Jargo and I are doing with him or just listening to him, it's about the importance of bringing that three, the theatrics, improv, the stage to professional wrestling. And damned, Andy Kaufman was the one that really did it. It's, it's some of the finest improv you'll ever see Kaufman and Lawler going back and forth. Kaufman's awesome. He was great. Whole storyline is great. But another guy who I did mention first when I was talking to Rick, what about David Arquette? Former WCW World Heavyweight Champion David Arquette. I have ripped on David Arquette for years. I mean, years. And I've always, one of my favorite jokes, Paz, you ready for this? Yes. What's the funniest thing that David Arquette has ever done? Uh, scream nothing because David Arquette has never been fucking funny one goddamn day wow. in his entire life. Come on, but I will say this since David Arquette has returned to professional wrestling, including the entire incident with Nick Gage, I have a newfound respect for David Arquette and David Arquette's love for professional wrestling. What happened with David Arquette and WCW? I can't blame David Arquette for that. I mean, if you were in the same position, you would have done the same damn thing that David Arquette did. I, I've completely come around. I have David Arquette very high on my list, even though I still think David Arquette sucks. Hey, and you know, it, I think it, it, it really speaks to his character himself, his commitment, and what he's wanted to prove inside of this business, because he realized the backlash and what happened back there in WCW. And, and I'm with Jargo. I don't put any blame on him. I uh, obviously took the part in the movie, thought it'd be fun. He was a wrestling fan. They end up getting hooked up, you know, through the Turner Company with WCW. And I think there's a lot of wrongful blame. A lot of people, you know, want to blame Marquette for this thing. You want to blame Russo. Come on, this is a marketing ploy inside of itself. And it's one of those things that, okay, this might make a little sense here on paper. When you see it play out, it just completely backfires on you. Uh, something that was meant to be fun, not to be taking overly serious. You have now this early stages of this bitter, booming internet wrestling community ready to just, I mean, the sharks are in the water. They're circling. They're just ready to chop on this thing. And that's what happened there. Now, listen, and, and a lot of people don't even think, you know, think about the, the good side of that story that came out of there where he was donating money. Uh, to the Pillman family, I believe, you know, everything that he got out of WCW to help them out. So he was giving back to the locker room. He was helping those in need. He was there trying to, you know, to the best of his ability, promote the product, the brand, you know, they're living a dream inside of himself. But then to all those years later, just, you know, really to have the balls, to have the guts to say, you know what, that's not the way I want to be remembered inside of professional wrestling. Let me go do this the right way. Uh, the best of my ability. I think he's done that. I, you know, he got, 
is Jargo and I were in Chicago for uh, the first all in. Uh, it, Jargo, you know, he had to get back to it and all that. So I stayed up there an extra day with Adam Rivera and we went to a warrior wrestling show and got to actually spend a little time talking to Mr. Arquette. And he's one of those guys you could just, you could tell there, that the passion was there. Uh, he wasn't there for a payday. I mean, hell, he's out there working, albeit one of the, you know, a nice independent there. Uh, but he wasn't looking for just that shot back to the top. He wanted to earn his stripes. I think he did a good job with that. I don't think with putting there maybe as the best, I, I think it's a great heartwarming story. But did it really boom or grow the business? Well, and, and in Russo's defense, because people have, have kind of shat on Russo for this for years too, and he has quite possibly the best comeback that I've ever heard. Bro, it was 20 years ago, and we're still talking about it. You still think it was a bad idea? He's got a hell of a point. With Arquette, very nice guy, by the way. One of the nice guys I've, guys I've ever met. Did his first ever convention. Did his first ever wrestling interview. So, I mean, really cool guy. I mean, such a nice guy. He kind of loved the business, super fan. He's like, uh, he's like, I'm not being the champion. I don't want to win it. And then was, he's like, no, you are. He's like, Harley Race was the champion. Flyer was the, like, he was naming all the guys. He goes, I can't um, be in that category, in that league with those guys. So in, in his defense, he didn't, he didn't want it at all. But he did a good job as far as like, okay, he's like the champ, but he's delusional. <laughs> like some of the, right. the backstage stuff was was great with him. And then his comeback, I think, was great as well. And his, the documentary, You Can't Kill David Arquette, You Cannot Kill David Arquette, is great. Nick Gage um, tried. Yeah, he tried for sure. Even though it was Arquette's fault, got to throw that out there. It wasn't Nick Gage course, being yeah. malicious. It was it was Arquette's fault. Right, of course. So the next person I wrote down started off the rock and wrestling era. Really, what about Cindy Lauper? Does she count? Does she put her up there? She's got to be considered. No, I have her in my top five, but I have her at number five. I'm a little surprised that you have her as high as you do, Paz, when it came to oh, I'm just throwing out names. List. Well, no, I mean just just like name oh, off the okay. top of your head that 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 was so high on your on your list of writing her down. Cindy Lauper was great. What Cindy Lauper did for the wrestling business was great, and that's why I have her in the top five. But as far as her actual performance on television, her role on the wrestling show, I feel like that pushes her down the list a little bit from some of the other names. Why? Just because I feel like there were other names that were far more important to our context as we're sitting here talking about it as a wrestling show. I, I can see where you're coming from if, if we're just stacking them side by side. But I think you got to look at you know the role that women played in wrestling at that time, too. So it wasn't like she was going to be given a match and try to get in there and mix it up with anyone. You know, I mean, hell, the only that was really even really before they tried reintroducing regular women's wrestling. Correct. I mean, so it's not like you're going to put her into that spot. She in. Right. And it's not one of those cases of today where we got to put everybody in there. It was OK. She is. We're, it's going to expose a lot if we put her in there with even, you know, a Moolah, a Rock and Robin, whatever the case might be. But, I, yeah, I think it really was. And. And even then, before we even any of us could imagine we'd ever be referring to this as sports entertainment, that was the vision inside Vince's head is he needed to have that crossover boom and where you certainly had that in other genres. Now, you were touching that in, you know, your big, tough, badass men, sports and movies. 
uh, she opens this MTV audience mm -hmm. that was much desired and really much needed for that early success for, for obviously, I mean, we didn't, it's not called, you know, the film and wrestling era. Uh, it's, it's not called, you know, sport and wrestling era. It's rock and wrestling. And she led that way. So I had her pretty high. Another name that immediately came to mind that may top the list for Jargo. I have a feeling he, he will. I what about it. Mike Tyson? I have Mike Tyson right behind Andy Kaufman, number three on my list for Iron Mike. Tyson and Austin. That, like, that is the call that really, for me, like that was the attitude era. When I think of the attitude era in, in like one soundbite, it's Jim Ross screaming, Tyson and Austin, Tyson and Austin. Yep. WrestleMania 14, I've unabashedly said that it is my favorite WrestleMania. Uh, Shawn Michaels versus Stone Cold Steve Austin, I think is one of the most underrated WrestleMania main events in pro wrestling history, especially knowing where Shawn was at the time mentally. And none of it happens without Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson was, who would have think that you needed Shawn Michaels versus Stone Cold Steve Austin and it needed a catalyst. But Mike Tyson was that catalyst and he was the catalyst for an entire boom period as far as I'm concerned. Well, I'll go just one further on you there, Jarko. Not that Shawn Michaels and Steve Austin needed that. The WWE absolutely needed that. And we can look at all of these defining moments where, you know, we can debate that who blazed the trail for the Attitude Era, who was laying that groundwork, when did it start, undeniably the shock that was heard around the world, the big boom that created that era was Mike Tyson coming to the WWE. Uh, and, and that's when the heads really started to turn. You've heard it through so many shoot interviews. The guys on the other side, WCW, looked at that and said, oh, they're, they're turning up the volume here. They are putting you know more gasoline on this fire. They mean business. This isn't going to be a cakewalk like we had thought. They went out and just got Mike Tyson. This is going to be a fight here. That's what he's known for, and that's what he's brought. Kind of funny in a weird way that it that it worked out the way it did, and they weren't able to get Tyson all those years earlier because of hell, what's going on in professional wrestling today with you know his sexual assault issues, uh, which kind of swept that all under the rug, and then they went back and revisited it here, which allowed this huge boom period. Yeah, but there's actually another reason why they didn't use Tyson earlier. But he, he was supposed to be the referee, but he lost to Buster Douglas. So Buster Douglas took his spot for the uh host. Yeah, the, yeah there was there match. was a few cases so where he, the Tyson they, thing fell through. They literally were like, Okay, win this, you're gonna be this. You're gonna be the champ, and you're gonna uh, officiate the big Hogan Savage one on one rematch on on the main event. He loses They're like shit, we gotta we can't like we can't book him now, and he's a, he's a mess, and he's got all these personal problems. But okay, <laughs> Buster Douglas is in, who's another great celebrity. I know it's only one appearance, and he does that great punch to Macho Man, but um, it could have been Tyson there. It almost is better off for for the Attitude Era that they didn't have Tyson earlier on because this kind of mm -hmm. saved him a little bit. But it's just funny the way that happened because you're supposed to be Tyson refereeing the Hogan Savage match. It, it's I, funny back then they would cancel a booking with you if you looked weak in your own industry your own genre now they sign you and make you champion right i also think that we can't understate mike tyson and aew and the message that it sent 
to the pro wrestling fans just to see Mike Tyson show up at the rival company. Like this I think guy's that, not fooling around, yeah. Yeah, I, I think historically speaking, when we look back, that was going to be a big moment for AEW, even though it doesn't necessarily play as one right now. The camera shot, though, of him, that was a horrible, horrible job. I remember he was yawning? Yeah. And that was the shot they showed of him. It's like, oh, you idiots. Uh, maybe bad luck, you could say whatever, but... Man, you got to be paying attention to what he's up to. And that's that's what I wonder. You know, you, that was one of those first for AEW where it's okay. You know, maybe they're not playing around. And I think now you're seeing a lot more of that with some of the signings and that. But mm-hmm. time will tell uh, as we revisit history and how AEW grows, how they can spin that thing. I just think, and it felt he was so underutilized there that that I don't know if it'll be as impactful as what we had seen previously. Well, it's funny that you say that, Rick, because as I I look at my list, I have three different boxers on my list uh, because I also have Muhammad Ali on my list. Of course, yeah. And and I also have Tyson Fury on my list. Uh, Tyson Fury, the 21st name on my list, the last name on my list, because I still contend that nobody cared about Tyson Fury. Which Um, was odd because he was on such a role... And he did well on pay-per-view, but it's it, odd they didn't it, care about him in wrestling. Yeah, but doing well on pay-per-view in 2020 for boxing is, you know, like WWE doing well in the rating when they, they hit 2 million viewers, right? I mean, it's just the, the sport of boxing has fallen so yeah. far. Uh, but Ali, I have on my list, and a, a lot of people are going to think of, you know, WrestleMania when he came in as the referee. I'm going to go to Muhammad Ali versus Antonio Inoki and what that meant for Japanese professional wrestling. I don't think people realize what a huge deal that was at the time, even though to go back and watch it now, it sucks. Hey, you know that that really did some damage on Ali. Yeah, it did. His next fight, they were saying his legs are so beat up. And yep. and after that, taking that plane ride back and his legs were all beat up. So it's funny. People are like, oh, horrible. What It, it really did damage. It, it sucked, absolutely. But it really did damage on, on uh, Muhammad Ali. And, I mean, older, but it hurt his legs big time. When you watch it in context, when you really watch what Ali and Anoki were going for, it completely makes sense. It's just not visually fun to watch. It's awesome on paper. And if you ever read the book, I've read it by Josh Gross. Really good stuff. Um, on Just literally a whole book on that fight, everything surrounding it, the context of it, everything. Awesome book. And then it's so funny. You're like, okay, this is great. And you go to watch the fight. You're like, this is not good. Yeah. It's just it's just not fun to watch. It sucks for Muhammad Ali, too, because you know the guy's obviously not going to stand there. Smart, smart of Inoki not to get up, but the rules are all – I mean, it's – too messed up and if you've never seen it ladies and gentlemen because i didn't see it until maybe five six years ago it's basically anoki on his back kind of scooting around trying to get ali in like a wrestling position and ali just standing there like stand up and i'm gonna knock you out like it's just it's not visually appealing to watch even though logically it makes sense well, I think, like, as you said, Jargo, you know, watching it now in, in 2021, yeah, you're going to be like, what the hell is this? What's going on here? You know, go back there to the mid-70s when this is happening and, and try to put yourself in that Booker's shoes. I mean, it was it Vince McMahon Sr. that book was the head promoter on that thing, pulled that trigger on that, obviously working with the different promotions and yeah. it's in and outs there, the different business partners. But, yeah, what do you do? And, and you got to have a hybrid of these rules. And I think they even knew then – 
it was it's one of those things almost like when you invited the brawl for all into side of professional wrestling how we how is this actually when the bell rings is this going to be presented is it going to look seems cool as hell on paper it sells i'm sure it sold a lot of press a lot of advertising and a lot of at the box when it went down and and seeing something like that might have been the precursor to you know, and that as well as what helping with Kaufman, but for for Vince Jr. Man, look at well, that box that we did there. Look at the press that we got there. I mean, this was global recognition here, which are bringing these two worlds together. And obviously, outside of the ties with you know the boxing and wrestling that we would see in the early WrestleManias, but it, yeah, you got to have Ali involved there. Well, and I also think it's very understated inside of the history of mixed martial arts. And I think it's also very understated when you look at New Japan Pro Wrestling and their history and how things went as great as of business as Inoki versus Ali did. It was Inoki's obsession with mixed martial arts that almost put New Japan Pro Wrestling out of business at a certain point. Now, it's funny you mentioned a bunch of boxers, but you didn't mention a guy who made two appearances and one epic appearance. What about Butterbean? How come we're not including Butterbean on there? Oh, I, I, I was wrong. I do have a couple, couple other ones on here. And I Butterbean is on my list, and so is Floyd. I mean, but both of them, to me, they just didn't carry... Floyd. They just didn't carry the weight, though. Like, Floyd was about the spectacle because it was in there with Big Show, and you realize how small Floyd is. Huge number for pay-per-views, though. And if you remember, everyone thought Floyd Mayweather versus Big Show was the main event. I know they changed it to Undertaker Edge, but everyone thought that was going to be the main event. That was the most publicized. That's the big picture on the poster. So, I mean, that drew a lot of money, and that that was a very high-ranking, I think it was 1.3 or almost 1.3 million buys in the pay-per-view. In hindsight, 2020, I mean, Floyd Mayweather was kind of the original Conor McGregor. I mean, oh, absolutely. At, at that stole a lot point, of stuff from him. At that point, people just wanted to see Floyd get punched in the face. I mean, that's really what they were going for, and they thought that Big Show would be the guy to do it because, I mean, oh, my God, just look at him. Look at the size difference. It was it was more the that spectacle of people really hoping to see Floyd get his ass whipped. Well, Miley Holbeck... And, and you're right, Paz. I mean, if for what you're looking for, that box office boom, you look at those buy rates, you know, the, the incredible draw leading up to that WrestleMania. I just feel that it left a lot to be desired, a lot on the table with growing an audience following an appearance or follow-up appearances. I also think Butterbean did some real damage to professional wrestling just because of the way that fight, quote-unquote, went. I mean, if it, if it at least would have been, you know, like competitive maybe and like maybe see pro wrestling kind of look good in the thing. But I mean, Butterbean just knocking Bart gone out like he was nothing. They should have made that a work shoot a little bit like, yeah, know, hey, don't knock him out in the third or something. It's know? one of those things that, you know, nothing against Butterbean. He's, he's told to go out there and do what he's he going did what he to did, do. Right. And, and that's what you're going to get. You know, that that falls on some poor misman. You know, that's mismanagement. Well, it's it's to go back just a little bit. It's Anoki sending pro wrestlers to go have shoot fights with mixed martial artists, yep. and it just it completely destroyed New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's funny. It's like, hey, uh, Yuji Nagata, you're great. You're a legend. Go fight Fedor and get knocked out in thirty seconds. Like, what? Right? Like, what are crazy. you doing? Yeah, crazy. Just to think of like doing stuff like that is nuts. But. um Evander Holyfield also made a, a brief appearance to be very, very short and sweet with Matt Hardy, but just throw him out there. Floyd, definitely on my list because of the 
main event, quote unquote, of WrestleMania 24. Butterbean, of course, uh, the Mark Merrill, which was a work, which you thought that's what they were going to do for Bart Gunn when they had that thing, him and Mark. It wasn't as entertaining, but at least Merrill made it a little fun and he was being the heel and Butterbean didn't try to you know, decapitate him, you know, like he did to Bart Gunn. But I think the other thing that hurts too is by the time Butterbean was on WWF TV, yeah, it was still WWF at that time. Boxing had already kind of started its fall from grace. And it was like Butterbean just didn't seem like that big of a deal inside of the mainstream culture. I, there was like the kicker for sports. Well, you, you still had outside of boxing, though, you still had a little bit of a grassroots run with tough man contest. Uh, I don't remember if you, if, you know, if it was a case there in Iowa, Jargo, but I'm pretty sure it was, especially through the Midwest, man, they were running everywhere and they had some big purses for that. You know, at that time, you know, they were selling some, some decent sized numbers, even on tough man pay-per-views uh, and you'd get them at the local, like, just like an indie pro wrestling show, you know, you'd see them at the local VFW at the fairgrounds, whatever the case might be. And Hey, I remember a couple, hell, a couple times, you know, my buddies that were training in MMA that were, you know, had wrestled high school, collegiate wrestlers, whatever the case might be, thought they were ballroom brawlers. Hey, they'd fork up, they go pony up to 50 to $75 to go get in there. And times they get their, their bell rung and hey, a couple of them had a couple good runs, you know. I was thinking another guy here, I know we're talking about boxers, but let's talk about a guy who played a boxer in a movie and was Rocky's best villain to me. Other people disagree, but to me, best villain, uh, Clubber Lang, number one show called the 18 B.A. Baracus, Mr. T made plenty of appearances Two WrestleManias. One was the main event. Also was in WCW. What about Mr. T? Got Mr. T right behind Cindy Lauper on my list. I, I think the importance of Mr. T, not only as a personality, but you also have to remember the A team was huge at that time. Number too. one show, yeah, it was the number one show. Yep. You know, so I mean the 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 crossover mainstream appeal to Mister T, just absolutely incredible, and it was so vital to those early days of WrestleMania. Yeah, you talk about the A show being the the A the A team being the A show. Hey, shout to to the actual to today's A show, April Hunter and Aaron Stevens. Uh, they they just had a replay. I think those are up. You can go check out their interview with the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion Trevor Murdoch and uh, the hardcore icon Mick Foley. Those are out there. Uh, they're doing a tremendous job. But it still sounds a weird to me. NWA World Champion Trevor Murdoch. Like the, the fact that Nick Aldis doesn't have that title as we sit and record this just seems weird. Hey, it, not to get too far off our path here, but uh, you go listen to Mr. Murdoch talk about it, and you can't help but feel the goosebumps, the chills, and get behind him as champion and, and what it means to him. But you to have the A team with the guy, the, the toughest dude in that crew, and you're not just talking about a hit show. I mean, it, that was, you know, outside of Saturday morning cartoons, that's what we were watching as kids. Hell yeah. And our entire audience is following that over to WWF programming. Is that the greatest theme song of all time, by the way? Just to throw that out there. It's, it's up one. there. It's got to be up there. It's good definitely one. up there, but I think Advantage Golden Girls. <laughs> I think you're going to say Three's Company, too. Mm-hmm. Well, that would be on the list, but man, I, that thank you for being a friend. I mean, there, there's people that know that song that you probably weren't even alive when the golden girls was on the air i thought you might say airwolf 
which was mm-hmm. another great theme. Yeah. I think, you know, another thing with Mr. T is now that we, we learn about the ongoings inside pro wrestling, uh, that, that now we learn, Hey, you know, it was one of those where, what is Vince doing? This guy doesn't belong here. Well, and you I know, think- why is he entering our world? And you see that old school mentality of pro wrestling is we can get ourselves over. We don't need this kind of exposure. We're here, we're pro wrestlers. We're here for the pro wrestling world. And then uh, even in the greatness of Piper in there in that moment, you, you got to believe maybe that that's, you know, change his views when he, you know, would late soon, but later on would begin to expand outside of his own world. How much of this also was Vince kind of pulling a, a little bit of a fast one, right? Because I, at this time, in context, Mr. T is regarded as one of the like biggest badasses on the planet, right? And then you put him into the wrestling ring and you got him standing next to Hulk Hogan. You got him standing opposite of Roddy Piper. And it's kind of like, eh. Mr. T just kind of looks like a small professional wrestler. Like maybe these guys are the biggest badasses in the planet. Like I think that psychology goes into Vince's mind as well. Oh, absolutely. And you know, he's always been, he's always kind of had that keen eye for that, Mm -hmm. you know, to, to make, you know, to present his superstars truly larger than life. Uh, It seems, you know, in many aspects of how they've used to handle that, they've lost those directions, those philosophies today, but there's still a little bit of that foundation there, but especially back then, any opportunity that he could be able to have one of his bulking brutes up there next to anyone, hell, going back to, you know, the same philosophies of we're going to have a 20-man battle royal. I'm going to put 10 NFL dudes in there, and you ain't going to be able to tell who's who. Or the NFL guys might be a little bit on the smaller side. Speaking of a big NFL guy, what about LT Lawrence Taylor? He's got to be on your list. You know, main event of WrestleMania 11. When we talk about the people that I have higher on my list than Cindy Lauper, Lawrence Taylor, Mike Tyson, Andy Kaufman, and this is where I say, you know, her involvement in the show just held her back a little bit. The, the Mike Tyson, Bam Bam Bigelow, or not Mike Tyson, Lawrence Taylor, Bam Bam Bigelow. As far as like my memories as a very young pro wrestling fan, Bam Bam immediately over because we already know Lawrence Taylor is like the greatest linebacker that's ever lived at this Probably point. the greatest defensive player of all time, too. Yeah, absolutely. You could make that case. Uh, Lawrence Taylor, I, I think that when it came to a mainstream sports audience and the crossover that was involved, I mean, you talk about the early days of Sports Center, right? Like that was a big deal by comparison. Tyson Fury was the kicker. Yeah, I, I, I think maybe the only drawback here when we talk about LT, and it certainly was, it was a much needed kick in the ass for the business. And when we look at the business as a whole at that point, we're talking about one of the ultimate lows. Uh, I mean, so many, so many people had checked out on professional wrestling for so for WWE to go and get a grab like this. And, you know, there, you still have your peers that, you know, this shouldn't have been in the main event. No, I mean, this this was this is what everyone was tuning into right here for, for WWF, for pro wrestling at that time. And so his contributions were amazing. Now, when we are talking about big NFL names, though, I, I do want to give a shout. I'm not going to take away from LT's moment here in the conversation. Uh, but who I would have loved to have seen, man, a little more from 
we, we had him in one of those Royal Rumbles I was talking about. But the uh, the fridge, baby. Yeah. Big William Perry. You, yes. you talk about the That'd celebrity and, and what he had going for him and what the crossover potential could have been right there. If they could have done a little bit more and had a little bit you know, longer run there with, with the fridge involved, that would have been incredible. I think this was also my introduction to the rivalry between New York and New Jersey. I can see that. It's interesting with, obviously, kind of football and wrestling. It's like the perfect kind of crossover. Not even talking about the guys that came over from football to play wrestling, but like the guys that are actually – like currently we're, we're football players and they did some wrestling. So Kevin Green always comes to mind. And he was really good. Like if he wanted to be, he could have been an awesome wrestler, but he was a pro bowl, all pro football player. It's the sack master, the sack machine. You know, he didn't really necessarily need to do wrestling, but he was such a big fan and he loved it. And he did some wrestling. He was great. And he hardly had any training. He was awesome. Well, another name on my list. One of the horsemen, right? Mongo. Mongo yes. was freaking. I almost enjoy Mongo's wrestling career more than his football career. You know why? Because I'm a Packers fan. Screw Mongo McMichael. <laughs> That's when the horseman turned heel for me. Yeah. I, I, I left Mongo off my list simply because I thought, you know, at some point, where do we draw the line instead right, of just that celebrity cross wrestler. over? He fully makes that transition into the world of professional wrestling. Well, what about Reggie White? He's got a count. Yeah, I would put him in there. I just think, you know, it's I don't just... know why he had a 15 minute match with Mongo. I mean, that's a different story <laughs> for a different day. Yeah. But... I mean, those guys probably don't even move for 15 minutes inside of a 60-minute football game. But, hey, let's put them out there in a wrestling ring to do that. But, yeah, it's just Mongo is one of those that fell into, you know, where I've just removed them from the list, you know, like a, a shamrock. Those that made that ultimate move and had extended runs. But, hey, I, I know he gets, he, he gets a lot of flack for it, man. But I always enjoyed Mongo. I even liked his commentary back in the day from what I remember of it. Not that I went back and – and re-watch, re-listen to a lot of it. But I remember enjoying it in the moment. And Hey, man, anyone anyone that scores uh, Deborah McMichaels is doing uh, doing all right for himself. For some reason, I have, you know, NBA players on my list. I have NFL yep. players on my yep. list. I have boxers yep. on my list. Yep. For some reason, it never even occurred to me to put Shamrock, Suzuki, Brock Lesnar, when he, with his return to professional wrestling, he he was a huge celebrity at that time. It didn't even occur to me to put MMA fighters on my list. Really, out of the MMA fighters that that really would have jumped stood out to me as that crossover, and maybe because she only had a year, I, I question I question we had Ronda. Yeah, that's another one I didn't. But think but of. again, I was she was in that gray area for me. Of did she make that truly make that full transition? And it, the transition seems so seamless if you do it right. Like Ken Shamrock, it, it, it's the same personality inside of the cage that you saw inside of the ring. When it's done right, Suzuki, you know, I, I just, I don't, it didn't even cross my mind to think to put one of those guys on my list. I think, I think that could be a whole who is conversation inside of itself because there's so many that made that, that full transition, you know, Dan Severn, who, yeah, represented the NWA so but, strongly for a while. But would you even count Suzuki and Shamrock or and Severn? They, they don't count to me. They're no. pro wrestlers yeah, first. Well, they were trained I, pro wrestlers first, then they see, did MMA. So, well, would, Shamrock. I think of Shamrock more as a fighter than I do as a wrestler. 
But even he says, he goes, I was a pro wrestler that did MMA. He doesn't say I'm an MMA guy that did a wrestling because technically he was trained as a wrestler first. So, I mean, that's semantics. And in, in my mind, it was really, is not to get off course again here, but you know, to mine was if you sign on for like longer than six months and you are active regularly in competition, that kind of disqualified you from this, from this conversation of who is. Oh, well, so, you're going to really hate my number one then. The real number one. I'm still trying to figure out who you got over there, man. I know who it is. The real number one I'm about to say right now. He's a member of the NWO. It has to be. There's no doubt about it. Dennis Rodman. Rodzilla. Rod the Bod. The Worm. Come on. Even Michael Jordan was watching Nitro because if you saw that great documentary about the Bulls, Rodman misses practice, comes back, and he goes, hey, Rodzilla, what's up? So he was watching Rodman at WCW. I want a movie about Dennis Rodman skipping out on the Chicago Bulls to go to Vegas. And more importantly, I want you could just make a movie of Michael Jordan walking up to Dennis Rodman's hotel room door with Carmen Electra and Rodman on the other side and the conversation that transpired. I mean, my freaking God, right? Rodman, not number one on my list, but that entire moment that period of time and people can't underestimate how much heat Dennis Rodman had before he even got to professional wrestling putting Rodman with Hogan of all people was freaking genius I know McMahon was always obsessed with Tyson and, and he wanted to even be his manager so he would be his manager for his fights and make a ton of money and be in charge of his pay-per-view and all of those stuff but I felt in a sense that he went with Tyson because WCW had Rodman, the, ori- you know, the original bad boy. Oh, I'm going to one-up you. I'm going to get another bad boy with a popularity and, and controversy. So in my head, always, I always thought, like, okay, I think Vince is trying to one-up Bischoff here by getting Tyson to his Rodman. So I always thought, like, okay, Rodman was first, though, and that was a great idea to do that. So pretty cool uh, that he's in the NWO and all this other stuff and missing practice and getting mainstream coverage for it. It's pretty awesome. I think if you go back to the archives, if you want some good listening here, anybody out there, go over to uh, hittingthemarks.com. You can find it somewhere in there where, where Jargon and I, we had a special series where we covered, uh, you know, the, the Bulls documentary there. The sh- our show was called Running With The Bulls. I think we talked for 45 minutes alone on, you know, just Rodman, this incident and him just not showing up, going to Nitro. And it really, the impact that it had inside of the NBA, inside of the world of sports, in entertainment, and professional wrestling, it was a major boom. And a lot of people took attention to this thing, and it, in many cases, it was Rodman being Rodman and how Jordan was able to pull that back together. But you talk about, yeah, that the heat on him, and then to see him align himself with, you know, the scumbags, the NWO. I mean, he took – putting Rodman there was – one of those great additions when the NWO might have been able to fade, and it was like, damn, they just re- they just rebranded themselves as the ultimate scumbags by putting Rodman there. And it's one of those things now you you can love, but you think remember how you felt there in that thing? It's like, what the hell? What's going on here? It's not very often you can put anybody opposite of Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Pause. I'm gonna put your put your boy Hogan over here, right? Yes. It's not very often you put Hulk Hogan on a TV screen and he doesn't just immediately grab your attention. He doesn't just carry whatever segment is he is in. He was number two to Dennis Rodman. I mean, that's how big of a star Rodman was at that point. And I think it is, you know, when we talk about how do you help grow 
the business. And if for, for better or worse, if you like it or not, you know, this continue to grow. It opens the door where now you've got things going on in entertainment with Leno getting involved. You've got the the ultimate baby face at the time in the NBA, Carl Malone coming yeah. into this thing. You're helping elevate your one of your own stars in DDP at this time. I mean, this is one of those things where you're helping individuals across the board. And something maybe that, it, that Bischoff, Sullivan, WCW doesn't get enough credit for. They really hit. They really hit it out of the park with that one. Yes, big time. Uh, you mentioned Carl Malone. I also had Shaquille O'Neal on my list. He made many, many appearances, including recently wrestling in AEW and going through a table, almost getting murdered. Yeah, Shaquille O'Neal is that number one? No, I, I didn't even put Shaq Fu on my list, even though I, I probably should, you know. Come but, on, put him on there. I mean, you can do it. I think not he's worth an, an honorable mention there, but it's one of those. Was he ever used right? Did it ever seem? Right. Did it ever seem uh, Shakaroni? You know, where it was pepperoni edge to edge, where it was over the top, but it, everything else we've seen Shaq involved in, if it's you know just not basketball, but if it's uh in music if it's in movies if it's just hell when we just see him on television in commentary he seems it's always seemed like he's been toned down inside of professional wrestling and that's a world where no you take everything else that he has done you turn it up to teddy you turn it up to 12 you rip the damn dial off and you let Shaq go it seems like they've all they've never been able to really capture that with him I've always wanted pissed off Shaq. Not I'm happy to be here. I'm going to be a complete goofball Shaq. You know, mm-hmm. just never really did it for me. And, and I, again, because I love Shaq, but it, it, with this AEW stuff, it, again, you know, like with Tyson, it just feels okay. You invested here. You persuaded someone to come over, but we got like what should have been like at least six months of a build. We got within a month that, that entire wasted segment there with with brandy was absolutely horrendous you know and then i mean but congratulations you go get pregnant and all that but it stalls everything we got to hurry up and have this this match we're still waiting for some kind of ultimate payoff of that thing has it fizzled i know he had to go do march madness you need better timing instead of just looking for that quick chub and i feel in wwe did the same thing they never Mm -hmm. where in the hell did you not have it set up and, and you keep just you know, playing grab dick with it for Big Show and Shaq. That's what everybody wants inside of WWE. Nowhere close to that. I, I think part of the problem with Shaq is kind of part of the problem with Dwayne at this point, right? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, no, no. And and, and I, I mean this in the respect that the insurance and the cost that is involved sure. with yeah. Shaq coming in or the rock coming in, even Batista at this point, John Cena is going to get there real quick and in a hurry, the, the insurance cost on these guys, it's just not worth it. So when you bring them in, you know, you have them doing goofball comedy stuff rather than what we really want to see Shaq versus big show. I know, but what you could have had that where, you know, we're talking about just those draws. It didn't have to be anything spectacular. We don't need those two to go out there and try to give us a 15. You could have made it a body slam challenge and that thing is going to draw. And at least we've got them one-on-ones, you know, aside of just a, a nose to nose inside of a battle Royal, whatever the case might be. You've got the hype. It's about the hype and the builds. What that about? Right. You, you got those two on two separate 
mega buses traveling the country doing separate press conference. You want to sell out your house shows? They ain't got to touch each other. You just have many press conferences at every damn house show. You have them making major appearances. If you got Shaq covering a game in Miami, then you better hell have Big Show covering on the set in L.A. covering something. I mean, that's all you needed to do there. Then you get in there. You have some pushing. You have some shoving. You have a scoop slam. Boom. We're out. But I mean, you, you want to talk about the difference between somebody like Shaquille O'Neal coming in and somebody like Bad Bunny coming in? What, why did Bad Bunny jump off the top rope and go all the way to the floor? Because it didn't cost him nearly as much in the insurance. I mean, like, that's the reality of the situation at the end of the day. Speaking of a great celebrity that was in the ring wrestling, and he had a, a few matches, and he had his own show, he had his own movie, Mr. No Holds Barred himself, Zeus. He's got to be number one. Got to be. Yeah, Zeus is one that didn't even cross my mind. And absolutely. Well, no, what? no. He, that's what I'm saying. He absolutely should have. Oh, okay. okay. I, he absolutely should have. I mean, Zeus might push Rodman out of my top 10. Like, that's how highly I think of Zeus. I can't believe I didn't even think of him. Zeus terrified me as a child. Like, he might be the first guy that I was like, I nope don't like that guy nope i love that they brought him in after the movie because mm -hmm. it's funny they're saying they had the movie flopped the movie actually made money and then after the fact when they put it on tape and dvd and stuff the aftermarket stuff made money so it's funny it's such a bad movie blah blah, blah this and that the hulks and zeus made some money together so yeah. then they're like shit we got to bring him in they bring him in. Obviously, they have the match, the match in the movie, quote unquote. They have the no match, the movie. movie. Yeah, Come no on, man. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and the movie itself. And then you, he's a part of Survivor Series, too. I mean, I, I, you got to give it to Zeus. I mean, it's pretty impressive. It's a short run, but I mean, it's impressive. Uh, I love stories out there in his shoot interviews. Hey, and I'm sure I'm sure these were actual conversations that were had. I don't know how serious they were, but uh, to hear you know the, the conversations that he says that they had. Uh, they were going to put the belt on him. I could have seen that. I, I absolutely, absolutely. I believe that there were those conversations, as Jarko said. This guy was absolutely terrifying. And I think, you know, as we talked about what you had with Mr. T, and now he steps in the ring with these guys, and it's like, man, we're, we see that difference between a Hollywood set and the bright lights of a WWF ring. Zeus looks like he was ready to come in there and just blow the, you know, rip the building down brick by brick. And he looked said, like he belonged there. Yes, absolutely. And, and you bought into it. And especially, and again, for those listening, you can sit there and say, oh, man, that, that might have been so bad. Go back and put yourself in that spot. Hopefully that you can remember something like that. Right. Or go back and try to visualize and really look at the audience, look at their faces and, and the visuals. And it's dark again, you know, the fear that was whatever he made an appearance there. And you perfectly you pair that with the intensity of the macho man. It was a great setting. Especially as kids, right? Because, like, I'm, I'm sure there's several people, and I'm right in that, like, kind of borderline, right? I knew Zeus from professional wrestling. And then later on, I saw no holds barred. Like, cause like as, as, as a little kid, I wasn't going out and seeing no holds barred, but I saw freaking Zeus really? on W. No, no, oh, man. See, I, I, cause just the connection. Oh, there's a movie about wrestling. Well, see. And, and then like, for me, like I saw Zeus and then I was like, damn, I got to see this movie. 
You know, like it, it went the other way for me. It wasn't, you know, like the movie brought him into wrestling. It was wrestling brought me into the movie. And I have always thought of him as a professional wrestler turned actor. Now, I'll, I'll even say, you know, it was Zeus and professional wrestling that that drew me towards Friday. And then watching yep. that, I, even then you're terrified of this dude. Yeah, it's <laughs> that look like he just had that scowl, this dude. And I, I remember watching Friday. And the pro wrestling fan in me is like, this BS. He could knock him out. <laughs> right, right. This BS. <laughs> he, even, he couldn't even beat him with that brick, man. It's Hollywood BS right here. So another person I had on my list that probably, is now that I really rethink about it, it's got to be Jargo's number one. WrestleMania 4, WrestleMania 5. He's in attendance at WrestleMania 7. He's the reason they got the biggest buy rate ever at WrestleMania 23 has to be and he's been on a bunch of raws the hall of, of favor the man he's, who he's, really made bobby lashley bobby Lindsay, baby donald trump has to be jargo if it isn't you can turn in your hat right now because it's got to be number one donald trump not donald trump although oh. 45 is certainly on my list i the feud between donald trump and vince mcmahon it's just absolute freaking money. And nobody's yeah. going to convince me otherwise. Literally. It was right. raining money. Just absolutely freaking insane. Absolutely insane. The buy rate that they end up pulling off of that. Just have two guys stand in the corner. Like, it's crazy. They they, they built it around the corner men. They sold pay-per-views off of the corner men. Insane. And it's funny because I know Michaels and Cena went on last and all throughout the whole buildup, you thought Batista Undertaker was going on last. And, okay, both of those could be the main event, but the way it was building, the match they pushed the most yep. was to battle the billionaires. So, I mean, it was kind of resting on Trump and Vince to get the buy rate up, and boy, did they. Well, you look how impactful and how important the position is. I mean, Trump, he purchases the WWE. He goes and he is the draw at WrestleMania. I mean, there's only one more position that's more prestigious than that. It is president of the United States. And he goes and achieves that there. Did that too. Guys done it all. I keep trying to guess who the hell is number one on Jargo's list. So it's got to be Pete Rose, I guess. Oh, Pete Rose is in my top 10. I actually have him above Rodzilla. Uh, How? What? No. Come on. How could you, you not? You that feud end. has went on for how long? Come on. Kane versus Pete Rose, man. That's it's it's. People say that the WWE doesn't do long-term storytelling. I, I direct you directly to Kane versus Pete Rose. Epic. Epic. So that, so that means that Jay Leno would be on this list hey, as well for you. I will say this. There are few men that have worn the gobbledygooker head. Me and Pete Rose are two of them. Whoa. Damn. Uh, Jargo, you, you have inspired me as, as I'm sitting here. And, you uh, call it? Uh, uh, you know, getting ready uh, is me. We got the, uh, the box seats ready to go next week. PWA's head into Monday Night Raw, taking the boys down there for uh, for the show. Hey, but I think it'd be the perfect time. I got to get, I got a only less than a week of business week here to get a petition around the city, take it down to the arena, hand it to to Stephanie to H. Well, they're not going to be there. Maybe I'll maybe I'll get Brucey or Pierce or somebody. Uh, the petition to get Pete Rose back in there because it's an absolute shame that Charlie Hustle is not the twenty four seven champion. I thought you might say. That. 
Jay Leno is very high up on your list for that uh, god awful Road Wild match. Jay Leno is on my shit list because his new TV show is airing on Fox 28 and I have to watch it for an hour every night and it's freaking awful. Jay Leno, sorry. It's my Jay Leno. I, I think he's he's one of those where I appreciate coming into professional wrestling. Yeah, I appreciate helping promote it inside of itself. Uh, but should have had that Cindy Lauper role where you don't step when you don't have a bell ring for you, you don't compete bell to bell. You come in, maybe you know you have that crossover where you have all of the competitors with a uh, and a contract signing on your show to put that spotlight, whatever the case might be. But I think they just took it a little far. But I still appreciate the contributions. Jay some- Leno, he he's in the same category as John Stewart to me. Yes, John Stewart has on my list. Oh, not very high, but John he's on, not very high, but he's on there. Uh, just some other big time celebrities I, I wrote down. Um, none of them made hot, very high on my list. Everybody high on my list I already named, but Schwarzenegger, Snoop Dogg, Stephen Amell, uh, Maria Menounos. Wait, 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 wait! Stop! Full stop. Whoa! Stephen Amell is in my top ten, and you're just going to give him honorable mention? Yes, top ten. What? Why? I challenge anybody to find me a celebrity wrestling match in a modern context better than Stephen Amell versus Christopher Daniels at All In. Now, granted, I was there, so I might be a little bit partial, but that is quite possibly the best celebrity wrestling match I've ever seen. Yeah, you get all this, you know, what have you done for me lately? Fanboys looking for that that big stage and the bad bunny at WrestleMania because they're out there hitting all these mark spots. You want an actual wrestling match, you go look at what Amelia and Daniels actually did. I would say that that Amel should be considered higher on your list, pause, because we're again we're looking at the boom. What this guy has continued to to try to help and promote professional wrestling on other in other genres, under under other spotlights. I mean, the guy has shown a love for the business. You know, there's great hype right now going on with heels. Uh, it kind of sucks that that's, you know, just on the stars platform that it couldn't have, you know, where it's an easier outlet for people to get to. Um, but yeah, I, I think there should be a great deal of appreciation for him. I also have down Logan Paul, the legend. He's on there for, for modern times. Snooky, your girl who you love. Rick is on there. Machine Gun Kelly for getting his ass kicked. Mickey Rourke for WrestleMania 25. Pat McAfee I put on there. He's kind of not really because he's a full-time announcer now, but I threw him on there. Drew Carey, of course, is a Hall of Famer. William Shatner, of course, is a Hall of Famer. Come on, you're you're getting close. You're getting close, Paz. Come on, you're getting close to some of these names I think that me and Jarker are going to hit you with here. And I, I really wanted to mention these two girls before I let you guys mention these two names. Jenna Jameson and Pamela Anderson. You bet. Absolutely. Um, I, I'm surprised you didn't have Chuck Norris on the list. Oh, my God. How the how in the hell did I forget? Ch- I love Chuck Norris. Dude, you better sleep with one eye open tonight, dude. Right. Chuck Norris. Good God. Uh, what about Luchasaurus? Does Luchasaurus count? Luchasaurus was nah, on. Uh, time wrestler. Well, but he was That's on like Big Brother. That's Big like Brother. There you go, Paz. You finally found number That's one. That's not a crossover. Number one is awesome. No, no, I, Rick, I, I think you are forgetting in context how much freaking heat the Miz had when he signed with WWE. That was a big freaking deal because people hated the Miz from the freaking real world. I, I mean, if it. you go back, the Miz was over as a heel character on the real world long before WWE and people tuned in to see him get his ass kicked. 
I, I get that. But you're talking about what we were just talking about with those MMA, those people that transitioned and became a solid part of the world of professional wrestling. If we're, if we're having that conversation, I think Miz wins that debate. That I he is Miz, who is the, the greatest to come over. Yes. Even still, I would challenge that the Miz is a bigger TV star than he is professional wrestler. That, that would be he's interesting. That, right that would he's on Dancing with the Stars. Uh, incredible numbers for Ms. and Mrs. Hey, you got to remember. I mean, just outside of the real world, he had great runs on the Challenge there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I mean, could, and even the, as the host of the Diva Search, I mean, they put him in that spot for a reason. Couldn't uh, couldn't beat me in a beer pong at the stadium, Miami University. But hey, I'll still give the nod to the Miz. It, after that a tremendous failure, he picked himself up off that barroom floor and. I guess he found a little bit of credibility going to that awful WrestleMania 27 with Snooki and, and beating John Cena in the main event. So I guess he, things worked out okay for him. Uh, a couple out there that we, that we haven't talked about here, man. We're, we're talking about those talk show hosts that put on tremendous light on professional wrestling. Oh, Regis. Yeah, Regis. Uh, Arsenio Hall. Yes. What, about, what about my favorite, Bob Uecker? Oh, Bob Uecker, I was just going to bring him up. Bob Uecker, Bob Barker. I was going to go with the Bobs. <laughs> Bob and, Barker uh, as the host of Monday Night Raw is like one of the greatest things in Raw TV history. Uh, so I also Jeremy, had there as great host. Calling it Summerfest? Uh, I, I had Bob Barker, number one, as the greatest guest host of Monday Night Raw. I had the Muppets at number two. Uh, Miz was involved with them there. They, they did a great job when they were hosting... When- Jeremy Piven calls it Summerfest, or was that Stewart? One of those two guys called it Summerfest. I don't remember. I think it was Piven, but you know, yeah. <laughs> Summerfest at SummerSlam. <laughs> yeah, but maybe he was just helping up market. We should get a music festival to go along with SummerSlam called Summerfest. But you know, I'm going to throw out there also as in closing, uh, who kind of you know solved one of the greatest mysteries in professional wrestling. The only man that could handle the case, Leslie Nielsen. Uh, trying to track down who is the real Undertaker. Man, there's so many choices. Jeez. I thought you might say Liberace. <laughs> there was a lot of them. There's, there, there's a lot of people. And again, you know, it speaks to, you know, and today we get so worked up when somebody makes that crossover. But on all levels of professional wrestling, it brings attention to the product. It is of an utmost importance. And it is something that we should appreciate if handled correctly. So who is the best celebrity, Jargo? I know you said Miz, but Miz is discounted. We're not counting him. You're not allowed to say the Miz. So who is the best celebrity crossover in wrestling? If you're going to disqualify the Miz, which I I, I greatly disagree with, the answer is clearly Andy Kaufman to me. Okay. What about uh, RBV? As much as as I personally love the Andy Kaufman stuff, he was the, the absolute first name... Uh, that I thought of, but, you know, had talking this thing out and, and we're talking about booms and, and what it, what it meant overall to all professional wrestling. And I don't know if he's done yet. I think I'm going to give the nod to Mike Tyson. Nice. Wow. And I was thinking kind of was going to maybe go Arquette cause I love him. Thinking about oh, oh, Rod. Hold on, hold on. Pause. Oh. Do not swerve us and say Brooke Hogan. Oh God. Come on. <laughs> um, and then I was thinking Rodman because of the NWO and his influence there. But I can't stray away from the guy for row first. Andy Kaufman cannot stray away from Andy. I think he really is. That's like the perfect 
booking everything. If you're going to say like, how do we do a celebrity in wrestling? That's the blueprint. I mean, he, that's just the perfect way to do it. So I got to go uh, Kaufman for sure. Even though I want to lean towards Rodman, I, mean, I got to go uh, Andy the Dandy. It, just the creative vision that was put into that entire program. Yep. Second to none against any pro wrestling program that there's ever been. It was freaking incredible. So let's head towards the plugs. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website tmptempire.com and of course Patreon, patreon.com slash tmptempire. Jargo. Rather than giving a plug, I'm just going to throw this out there in defense of Jeremy Piven. SummerSlam, Summerfest, hell, our president doesn't know if it's the United States or the United Nations. Throw the guy a bone. Maybe it's both. Rick, what do you got? Hey, again, just uh, like to invite everyone to head on over to facebook.com backslash professional wrestling alliance. Give us a like, give us a follow, share our content. We are continuing to build towards our big October 16th event, FTW Food Trucks and Wrestling. Uh, we're getting our card filled out. And the, uh, the Book of Man, the Man Beast, we're beginning to uh, put the everything together and, and plot the show out. We're Get advertisements out there for all of our great sponsors. So if you see those, make sure you give, you know, go to their pages, go to their websites. If, if they're available, use their services. Uh, but again, it is the Professional Wrestling Alliance on Facebook. And I got the other social media sites built. I just have to launch them. So uh, keep an eye out for across, you know, Twitter, Instagram, whatever the case might be. But we appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you right back here next week for a little edition of Who Is? See you next week. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother.